Well, hey, listen, it's, uh, it's my honor um, to be able to uh, share God's word with you guys today. I'm excited about it. Um, my wife and I were talking a couple weeks ago. Um, Pastor Jason asked me to speak on this day. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it, it would be easy for me to pull a message that I've preached before, one that I'm comfortable with, one that I've, you know, done one or two times. Um, that way I can feel really good about it, right? Um, but I, I couldn't shake the message that God has given me, I think, for today. And, um, and, and that's how I know it's God, because I've never spoken this one, and I know that His Word is alive. It's all about Him. It's not about me. It's not about anyone on this stage, and it's certainly not about exalting this church. It is all about Jesus. Amen? All about Jesus. So um, I, I'm excited to talk to you briefly. Um, and two of the words I want to look at is ordinary and natural. And um, obviously you have the extreme right next to it. I mean, think about that. Those words, ordinary and natural, those are very ordinary words. Very natural, right? (laughs) But then you go to the extreme. I mean, extraordinary even has the extra at the beginning of ordinary, right? And super in front of natural. And whenever I see people doing the work of God, living in purpose, and, and, and being driven by that dream and miracle that God is doing in their hearts and in their lives, I see God taking something that is natural and making it supernatural, and, you know? And, and we see someone, someone that's maybe ordinary by the world standards, and, and God taking it and making it extraordinary. And that's what, that's what God does. When Jesus gets his hands on something, he, he takes it to a whole new level. Amen? And, and, um, and I'm excited about uh, uh, sharing this with you guys. Um, how many of you have heard of the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine? Water into wine. Yep. A lot of people. <laughs> I say wine and every hand goes up. Wow. <laughs> oh, Lordy. I mean, being raised in church my whole life, being in Sunday school, you know, uh, the kids and, you know, the flannel graphs. Anyone know what that is, a flannel graph, maybe? Yeah? All right, yeah. That's how I learned the Bible. <laughs> the little figures that stick to the board, you know, that's what that is. Um, you know, water the wine, that scene, it was always like, you know, this little pitcher, and here's the grape juice, and it's awesome. And, you know, it was Jesus' first miracle. Very cool. Um, but I was thinking about this, and, and Pastor Jason talks often about how too often we just kind of breeze through the scripture. We don't explore it for ourselves. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten it and let the words jump off the page and come alive to us. And um, this happened to me as I was studying this passage because, like like I said, I've heard this my whole life. Many of you maybe have as well. Water to wine, right? How many of you heard the song Our God by Chris Tomlin? You know that one? Okay, prove it. We're going to sing it starting verse 1. There's a key line. uh, Maybe you might know where we're going here. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Water you turned into wine. Come on. Open the eyes of the blind. Yeah. Yeah, y'all are good. Great voices. Give yourselves a hand. Let's just go back into worship right now. (laughs) Water to wine. And... Open the eyes of the blind. Those are very extreme differences if you think about it. All in one sentence. Think about that for a second. Water you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And here's the, here's the thing. When, when we hear something like water to wine, if you're anything like me, I think, cool trick, Jesus. It's pretty, pretty cool. 
right? But a real miracle, opening the eyes of the blind, right? That's a real miracle. But in the scriptures, in John 2, we'll look at it in a moment, it says that this is the miracle that revealed God's glory. And I found that very interesting. Why is that? Of all miracles that could have been first, it must have been a significant one if Jesus allowed that to be the revealing of his glory, turning water into wine. It's interesting. And I think that what we can learn from this is it's going gonna, it's gonna to teach us something about the character of God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to teach us something about the personality of God. Because if he wanted that to be the first miracle, then surely there's something that the world needs to know about God that they don't already know. Right? I mean, think about it. If we had one of the Genes Project guys come up here, like if I had Brad come up here and he brings a, a glass pitcher of water and sets it right here, and then he holds his hand over it, and suddenly the, the clear water begins to churn, and it turns this ruby red color. I mean, we'd all be like, all right, golf clap. Right? This is cool. Nice magic trick. Maybe food coloring. Probably not wine, but that was cool, Brad. Good job. Now, but if Brad were to come up here and pull somebody up out of a wheelchair, and by the power of God, that person is able to walk, and they are healed, there wouldn't be a person sitting down in this place. We would be going ballistic. We would be going, praise God, we just witnessed a miracle, right? Yet, we see that the first miracle is water to wine. It's not a divine healing, you know? It's not somebody with a missing limb and, and Jesus suddenly allowing that limb to sprout out, right? It's not the raising of the dead. That's a miracle, right? But it's so cool how God, he never works by human standards, you know? We have this scoring system for a lot of things, especially sin, right? That's a bad sin. This one, not so bad, right? So think about it with the miracles. Water to wine, good miracle. Raising the dead, Best miracle, you know? I mean, it's just like, how, why do we do this? So we're going to look quickly at John 2, and, and I believe we're going to um, see some cool things about who God is, and the world needs to see him this way, a character trait of God that many people don't know about. John 2, starting in verse 1. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. You know, when I first read that, I, I'm like, is Jesus being sarcastic to his mom? But listen, you got to understand, like, Jesus, he, he loved Mary. He loved his mother. He, so it's probably just, you know, the lost in translation, King James stuff. Okay, so... Jesus wasn't being, uh, um, uh, you know, that way towards his mom. Just understand that. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. So awesome mom answer. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out. Take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had lots to drink, 
he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Isn't that awesome? So we see through this miracle, not only did Jesus reveal his glory, but it it was so awesome that it led to his disciples believing in him. They were already disciples. They saw that and they were like, okay, I believe in you, you know? So again, water to wine. What, what What is so crucial about that? What's so amazing about that? Well, Jesus took something that was common, ordinary, normal, nothing special about it, water, right? And changed the actual composition of it. He changed it completely. Changed it to fruity drink. (laughs) Changed the water. So why does verse 11 say that this revealed Jesus's glory? Why is that? Lance Walno says it this way. God wants mankind to know that he is not just the judge of all the earth. He is also the God who throws great parties and he doesn't hold back. This miracle reveals the nature of someone who delights in making extravagant provision even for non-essential things, and that is totally non-religious. Isn't that cool? Wow. So I see, man, the personality of God beginning to show here, right? And I love Pastor Jason's analogy. He's, uh, he was my youth pastor growing up, and, and uh, he, he said this all the time, and I think it's so funny. God is not just floating around on a cloud, drinking wine, eating grapes, and waiting to bop you over the head with a lightning bolt. That's not God. Right, And I think that too often we do view God as, you know, either the extreme judge of the universe or Santa Claus in the sky, depending on what we want, right? But here we see the personality of God making extravagant provision. And um, there's, there's some other really neat stuff in this text. On top of that, Jesus took it to the extreme to showcase the fierce generosity of God. John Eldridge, he's one of my favorite authors, he wrote a book called Beautiful Outlaw, and I encourage you to read it if you hadn't. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, explores the personality of Jesus and who he was. And um, he, he dives into this story and, um, and really, really reveals something refreshing, I think, about God. And, uh, and this is what he, let's look at John 2, verse 6, one more time. John 2, verse 6. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing, each could hold 20 to 30 gallons, all right? So again, this is some of the scripture that you might just read over and not think twice about it. All right, six jars, 20 to 30 gallons, moving on. But think about that. Those are big jars, right? Six of them. And so this is what John Aldridge does in his book when he talks about this story. So if we rounded up that these were 30 gallons at capacity, that would be 180 gallons to the brim, or 682 liters, or 908 bottles of wine. (laughs) See, that little flannel graph that I grew up with in Sunday school, that was, man, that was just like, see, Jesus didn't make just a simple provision for a final toast before closing out the party. All right, all right, let's go ahead and just turn some water to wine. All right, let's toast, let's end this thing, right? Instead, Jesus gives a wedding gift of an entire wine cellar, <laughs> showing the, this extravagance of God, the generosity of God. Isn't that amazing? See, again, we read through that, 
Six jars, 30 gallons. 908 bottles of wine? That's crazy. Now, again, don't get overly religious on me. This isn't about the wine. This is about what happened. Amen? So I'm not up here preaching about alcohol today. I'm preaching about God changing things. Amen? Wow. So he didn't just provide enough. He went over the top. He gave them more than they needed. And now, this isn't focusing, like I said, on on just face value. This is so much deeper than this. And something that I never really thought of before. Jesus took these six jars. And these six jars, we learn are used for Jewish ceremonial washing. And think about that for a second. In that day, under Mosaic law, it was literally the law to wash. And so that could mean anything from simple hand washing to full submersion, okay? Depending on on where you fall into different categories of the law. And Jesus here is taking containers used for stiff religious law and filling them with provision for a party. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's the Jesus we serve. In other words, he's saying, you know what? It's, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about the rule book. It's about serving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and revealing to the world who needs to know this God of love, revealing to him that he's not just waiting to lay the hammer down on you. He wants to lavish his love on you. He wants to give extravagant provision to you. He wants you to know him because he knows you. Amen? And I think this reveals something about the character of God, and and to me, that, that blesses me. That encourages me, and I hope it does the same to you. We are all vessels, amen? All vessels. You know, sometimes if we're going to be used by God to show the world that God is love, we can start by putting a smile on our face. Man, some people didn't even do it when I said that. That's sad. I was driving the other day, and I saw this little old lady, and she... She was just grinning from ear to ear. Like, her eyes were closed. How is she driving right now? She was like, you know, like, you know, how she sees the road. But I was thinking about that, and, and the Spirit of God was almost convicting me. He was like, you know, you have no idea what she's been through, and yet here she is, smiling like that. And here I am, driving to the greatest job in the world here, and, and I wasn't even mindful of how my face looked, right? Man, we got to smile more. It shows people that God is doing a work in us, even if we don't feel that work all the time, even if we feel like things are tough. Man, put a smile on your face. Yeah? And some of you know that work that's happening in your heart. You just need to remind your face of that work. Right? It's like, right? Remind the face. Remind the face. Put a smile on your face. Um, it's just, it, that's, the, that's the easiest testimony you can have on a daily basis. You know? That old lady had no idea that she was impacting my life just because she was driving around smiling like that. And I still think about that, and it's just its amazing. You don't know the impact you can have on somebody. Let the Spirit of God just flow out of you, and maybe it starts with a smile. Yeah? We're all vessels, and Jesus wants to fill up our lives with a miracle. He wants to take your seemingly average, ordinary, not-so-special life and make it extraordinary and a testimony that reveals His glory. And you may think that your life is average, ordinary, and not so special. But the truth is, God looks at you, and he is smiling from ear to ear. Because he sees the potential in you, 
He sees a child that has been bought by a price, the blood of Jesus. He sees his loved one. He sees his beloved, and he sees the potential. And, and wow, if we begin to just live that way, understanding that, hey, we're just vessels, and we want to be used by God, you'll begin to see miracles take place in your life. Amen? So that's why I love what Brad in the Jeans Project does. I mean, he's, he's taking his talent, his gifting, his knowledge of the jeans industry, and using it to impact people. And that's the kingdom of God. Amen? The kingdom of God is people. And he's using that to impact people. Now, Brad would tell you the same thing. He's nothing special, right? You're a vessel. These jeans are nothing special. Well, they are cool, though. Thanks, so thank you. But they're, they're just jeans, right? But when Jesus grabs a hold of something, a dream in your heart, he begins to work a miracle inside of you, man, it takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. It takes the natural and makes it supernatural. Amen? And speaking of supernatural, with Jesus, you can experience supernatural living on a daily basis. Now, the word supernatural sounds really spooky to some people. Ooh, supernatural, right? But when you're living a spirit-filled life, when you're walking in step with the spirit, you can experience the supernatural, and it should be just that, supernatural. It should come natural to us because our nature has been changed by what God has done in us through Jesus Christ. Amen? It should just come natural. Why are you smiling like that? It's just natural. I'm going through a really hard time right now, but, right? Super natural. That's the call of God on every believer, to walk out a supernatural life, bringing glory to him. Amen? We are just an ordinary church, but with Jesus, we can do extraordinary things for his glory, right? I was thinking about this church. I think about it often. I love this church so much. Um, and, and there's so many great churches, uh, and God is doing an amazing thing across the world, globally, in his church, and it's a beautiful thing, but thinking about Coastline, when people hear Coastline, I don't want them to think cool church. When, when people hear Coastline, I don't want them to think good pastor, good preaching. When people hear Coastline, I don't want them to think good music, nice people, they're just so nice. Right? That's all important, I guess, but what is of utmost importance is that the church points to Jesus so that when people hear Coastline, they think Jesus. Amen? That when people hear Coastline, they think, wow, those are some people that love Jesus, and I think that I would like to get to know the Jesus that they preach, the Jesus that they live out on a daily basis with that smile on their face and love in their heart, just living out that call. Amen? So when people hear Coastline... I want them to think Jesus. When people hear Brian, I want them to think Jesus, right? When, when, when people hear your name, I'd love for them to think Jesus. Now, that's convicting to me, you know? If people hear Anthony, do they always think Jesus? Probably not. Yeah? Just ask my wife. <laughs> Joking. Seriously, oh, man, we should just, we should be the revealing of God's glory, right? I mean, it says here in this, in this passage that Jesus turned the water to wine, and this miracle was the revealing of God's glory. 
When Jesus grabs a hold of you and changes you from the inside out, literally changes who you are, it's the revealing of God's glory. And we got to live that out. Amen? Got to. We are vessels, and by God's power working in us, we should be the revealing of his glory. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Isn't that awesome? Like, I want you to think about this vessel for a moment. Like, it usually made of clay in that day. Fragile, breakable, right? And if we are vessels, because, man, we're fragile, we're breakable, right? We might feel like just a clay jar, nothing special, average, ordinary, It's amazing that the God of the universe has entrusted the treasure of the gospel to a breakable vessel. Isn't that awesome? He's entrusted you to carry his light, his word, his love. And it's all to bring God glory because that power may be of God and not of us. Amen? It's not about us. Everyone say, it's not about me. Look to the person next to you and say, it's not about you. (laughs) Everyone say, it's not about us. We're having fun. You and I were vessels made of common, run-of-the-mill, clay, fragile, easily broken. God chooses to use us to build his kingdom. Isn't that amazing? Gosh, that should bring us to such a humble place, such a place of, I just want to serve doesn't matter if people know what I've done. doesn't matter if my name is elevated because we're just vessels. And God wants to fill you with a miracle to bring the revealing of his glory to this world. Yeah? Maybe God's put a dream in your heart. Maybe you felt him calling you or leading you to do great things, but you get discouraged because you feel like you're not seeing much of anything happening. Right? Or maybe you feel painfully ordinary, average, maybe you feel like you're nothing special. But it's amazing. When Jesus grabs a hold of you, he takes the ordinary, makes it extraordinary, makes it natural, changes it to supernatural. I was in Memphis last week, and I went to my family's church, the Life Church, and their pastor, John Seedling, he said something so cool. Um, I've never thought of it this way, but when it comes to your dream, that dream that God has placed in your heart, He said this, giving up on your dream is like slashing the other three tires when only one tire goes flat. Think about that, right? God has given us what we need to change that tire. Amen? He wants you to just keep on rolling. (laughs) Don't give up. You got a blowout. That happens. Life happens. We run over some nails in the road sometimes, right? Right? (laughs) things get tough but don't just slash all the other tires man by the power of God let him change that tire and you keep rolling towards that dream that he has for you amen let him keep working that miracle in you and you'll see it happen if we position ourselves within his will miracles will take place there we're going to close by looking at Joshua 3 and um, I was having trouble with this Um, because I'm like, well, we just talked about Jesus in the New Testament, and now we're kicking it old school and going all the way back to Joshua, you know. But we're we're talking about God doing a miracle. Amen? 
We're talking about God working a miracle even when it doesn't seem obvious. So to set this passage up before you um, start reading it, um, I see a lot of heads going that way. Um, To set it up, Joshua is leading the children of Israel and they find themselves at the banks of the Jordan River and it's in flood stages. Now, it's funny because we seem to forget sometimes what God has brought us through, you know? They've already crossed the Red Sea and yet they get to a river and they're like... What are we going to do? <laughs> right? So God speaks to Joshua and he says, Tomorrow a miracle will take place, but you need to tell the people to prepare themselves. You need to tell the people to consecrate themselves. You need to tell the people to get ready, to position themselves. And this is where the story picks up. Let's look at it. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand up as a heap. So think about that for a second. They they had to send out the Spirit of God before them, right? We have to do that. We have to be Spirit-led, right? And secondly, they were standing in the water. It's not like they stepped out and it was already dry ground. They had to get their feet wet. They had to step out in faith and wait with expectation of what God was about to do. So look at verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord. Verse 15. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of of Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. Now, okay, that's great. What does all this mean? (laughs) I was going to show a map, but just picture this with me. The city of Adam beside Zaratan That was 15 miles north of where they were trying to cross the river. And we already read that the river was in flood stages, okay? And they had to be led by the Spirit of God. They had to get their feet wet. They had to step in faith in expectation of what miracle was about to happen. This tells me that for that much water, a flooded river, 15 miles worth, for that to all flow from point A past point B for millions of people to cross. Because remember, like growing up, I, whenever I heard Israelites, I just pictured a ragtag group of people of a couple hundred people on a camel. You know, they got knapsacks thrown over their shoulder, you know. This is a nation, right? A nation. So in order for that many people to cross on dry ground, and the water says, it says the water was cut off 15 miles north of them. That means that the miracle had already taken place. That means it was already done before they asked. Isn't that awesome? See, sometimes we don't see the miracle taking place. We don't feel it in us. But man, don't slash those tires just because one blows out. You keep going forward. You step out in faith and you believe that the hand of God is going to move on your behalf. Amen? Don't give up. Man, 
sometimes we get so discouraged because life happens, right? Life happens, but God is working. God is working even when you're waiting. Isaiah says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. God is working in your waiting. It's not wasted time. It's not like you're standing around looking at your watch. Okay, what's going to happen? No, go deeper with the Lord during that time. Pursue him and step out in faith and watch the miracle happen. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close. Maybe you have an obstacle standing between you and God's promise for you. Maybe there's a situation you're up against and you don't know how to get across to the other side. You got to position yourself in the center of God's will. You got to step out in faith, maybe even get your feet wet and believe that God is going to move on your behalf. Furthermore, having a faith to, to thank God as if it's already happened. Whatever you've been praying for, whatever you've been believing, do not give up. That dream, that miracle that God is working in your heart and in your life, don't throw in the towel. Keep pressing forward. Keep pressing in. You're going to see that miracle take place. Church, we are vessels. And God wants to fill our lives with a miracle. He wants to take your natural, make it supernatural. He wants to take your ordinary and anoint it and make it extraordinary. We're just easily broken, fragile vessels. And yet God wants to fill your life with his spirit and change your composition, literally change who you are to be the revealing of his glory. Maybe you are sitting here and you keep hearing me say, okay, I'm vessel. What does that mean? Maybe you feel empty. Maybe you feel like there's a, a space in your heart. Maybe you've heard this time and time again and right now the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. Maybe you need a relationship with God. You need to get right with him. You need to surrender your life to him. You've been running from him. Today is the day of salvation. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass you. But we would love to pray with you. If that's you and you know right now that is you, you need that relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just slip your hand up? I'm just going to wait for a moment. Yeah, I see your hand back there. Thanks. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Don't fight it. Anyone else? Great. So before we move on, let's pray. If you're a Christ follower in this place, begin to pray right now for those who are making a decision to follow Jesus. Pray that this becomes real to them, that God binds it up in their heart, that they wouldn't be discouraged. If you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, but you know, you know that you got to get right with God, and that's today. Say this prayer. You don't have to repeat after me, but mean it from your heart. This isn't a magic formula. This isn't a special prayer. It's all about you just saying, Jesus, come into my life. Take all of me. So pray with me. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for the work that you are doing in us. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved us. God, I believe that you came to this earth, lived a sinless life so that you could be that perfect sacrifice by dying on the cross to take away our sin. And Jesus, right now, we put our faith in what you've done. And God, we believe that you raised Jesus from the dead to give us life and life abundantly. 
and we will live in it, we will walk in it. Even when it gets hard, we know that you are by our side. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And we put our faith in you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. I'd love to uh, to say one more prayer before we're dismissed, um, just over uh, all of us being vessels, yeah? We're vessels, and man, too often we just get caught up in, in life, and man, God's greatest desire for you is to simply live out the dream he has for you, amen? So let's pray real quick. God, thank you for every single person in this room. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts. Thank you, God, that you choose to use us, fragile, broken people, to bring glory to your name, to be the revealing of your glory, Jesus. So would you fill us, God, and I thank you that you are working a miracle in us every day, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. Encourage our hearts today. In your name, amen.